This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. This year is brought to you by TorahWeb.org. Obviously, the topics that are appropriate leading up to Martin Torah deal with Torah, Torah study, and so on. Um, it's very, very hard to find somebody that would not propose studying more Torah and so on. Uh, I don't think people in this setting need prompting as to study more Torah. What I would like to is point out a, a particular angle of Torah study that is not um, emphasized enough. And I think it's a critical piece. And unfortunately, it sort of gets um, is swept under the rug. When when people want to when when you want to set up Torah shurim and you want to engage people, so you will obviously find things that are interesting. You'll find things that are well presented and timely. You know things of that nature, and that's obvious. So a person would like. He has he's listening to a shift for 45 minutes. He would like to hear a topic discussed. He would like to feel that he has the picture after 45 minutes. And if there's an interesting anecdote or so, all the better. That's basically the package. This part of Torah that is, um, that is really uh, uh, maybe the heart of Torah, and it's something that um, was spoken about maybe when you're young in yeshiva, and that's it. And I'd like to speak about it. I want to start with a Zohar. There's a Zohar that says the following. It's on the Pasuk. The Zohar says it in two or three places. Um, small, slight changes. And it goes as follows. The Pasuk says, The Egyptians made our lives bitter with hard work. And so on. So the Pasuk describes how difficult um, uh, the Mitzvah made life for us. So the Zohar says, This refers to kashas in the Gemara. Bechomer, do kalvachomer. Chomer refers to kalvachomers. Levenim, do libun halacha. That refers to libun halacha, which is the process of working through a halacha and clarifying it. Avoda basada refers to brises, which the Gemara constantly brings in a brisa to either ask on the Mishnah to try to get the right pshat the Mishnah, so on. Avodas perech is tekus. That's a Zohar. It even for Rebbe Shatayra, we would find it somewhat um, amusing. And what kind of what kind of what, what kind of takeoff is that from the Pasik? Uh, you know, uh, uh, it, 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 it seems like a random kind of playing with the words. Avoda kasha is kusha, chayma is kalva chayma, levenim is libun halacha, avoda besad is b'risa, avoda is perach is teiku. What in the world are we talking about over here? What, what does it mean? What does it mean? What, what, what's it trying to say over here? That is something we need to puzzle over. So I want to start with a Tosefta in the Holos. The Tosefta says as follows. Rabbi Yeshua says, Hashone ve'eno amal 
a person who learns and does not work hard. The word amal is it means hard drudge work. Um, you, you know, I, 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 it's like labor. Amal, amal describes hard physical labor. So if a person studies without amal, it's like somebody who plants but does not harvest. Someone who studies Torah and forgets it. It's like somebody who, gave, who gives birth and God forbid buries the child. So the second half we understand. You had, you had a resource. You had knowledge. You had Torah. And because you didn't, you didn't do what it takes to retain it, it's no longer with you. So the muscle, as, as, as gruesome as it is, is, is understood at least that, that part of the muscle. It's understood that you have something. Unless you preserve it, it goes. So the effort put into preserving Torah is akin to keeping your child alive. You gave birth to Torah. You have Torah with you. Do what it takes to keep it alive. Much easier to keep alive than to bring life and so on. So the second half of that brisa, of that memory of Rabbi Yeshua, um, makes sense. The first one, that if somebody studies, but he doesn't work hard, he's like somebody who plants but doesn't harvest. Well, let me ask you another question. What about somebody that he's good at it? In other words, the second one says Mishakha, he forgot it. It doesn't say what he didn't do, it just says he forgot it. So, okay, well, I get that. But the first one says he's, he's studying, but he's not umul. He doesn't expend effort. So, I mean, let's say the guy is really bright. Yes, some people have to struggle. If I could understand that it would say something about not getting it. But what about, um, but why speak about the umul, the work, without telling me if this person understood what he, what about a, a whiz? And there is, there's, you know, in every group there's a whiz and you sit back and listen or you look at a Gemara and you get it and that's it. You walk away with it. And, and, and it's akin to somebody who plants but doesn't harvest. Why not? What, what happened? What, what does the umul do over here? So the topic that we want to focus on, the, 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 the um, kind of the, the, the point is going to be something called amelos betorah. Amelos betorah means toil, working hard in, in, in Torah. It's a, it's a, like I said, it's a term that one hears in, a, in, a, in an intense yeshiva, one hears that a lot. Um, and, uh, and, it's, and, it's, and it's considered to be a paramount value. But as a young boy, the way you understand working hard is simply if you don't understand, work hard at it. In other words, I'm teaching. You're sitting and listening. So if you're very, very bright, a, a, a kid that gets hundreds on his test. So it could be advanced calculus. If he got it, he got it. I don't, I don't have to tell, well, you should work harder. I, I, I should say you, you should work. You need to do what it takes to get it down. So I can't make a blanket statement uh, in the nature of you have, to, you have to work hard at it. 
as, a, as, a, as an experienced teacher, I could say, well, this is really hard material, and 96% of the guys don't get it unless they put in three hours a day. That's a reasonable statement. But what if I'm not? By, by, by using the word amal, amelos, amelos betora, as a, a, a general statement of value, we, we, it, it means that e, for the person that it's easy, there's also a problem involved. Even for that brilliant person who sort of gets it down and gets it very easy, it, it's, also, it, it's also lacking if there's no effort. What is that? Why is that in Torah that's lacking and so on? So I want to try to a little bit, um, we'll, we'll try to explore this topic a bit and uh, understand uh, why it is that, um, that this concept of Amelos and Yegiya are very vital in Torah, and it reflects a lot um, on a person's own self. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the first crops that grew in the world were in Gan Eden. And until man sinned, um, it was fairly effortless. Even though the Pasik says he put him in La'avdol Shamra, the description of the Pasik is that things really worked well. In other words, the effort, the sweat, and etc., wasn't really, really needed um, until later. So when Adam walked into Gan Eden, um, he had to do things, whatever La'avda means to work the, the field, but it didn't seem to be particularly difficult. When he sinned, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, that you're going to have to sweat hard, the earth is going to constantly give you back weeds and, and thorns and thistles and, and so on, and, and you'll eat by the sweat of your brow. It means many things at many levels, but the overriding concept is that the Eitz Hadas Tovera was something that was a mixture of good and bad. The Tov and Ra somehow commingled um, until it was one, it looked like one fruit on a tree. Eitzachayim was all good. Eitzadas had this commingling of good and bad. And any given fruit had um, both elements mixed in an incredible way. Adam Arishon when he sinned by eating from that eights, he now turned everything into um, a reflection of that. And everything in the world became a mixture of good and bad. Because the world was supposed to work flawlessly. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made the world for us. So and we might need to do something, but you put a seed into the ground, and then you watch it grow, and that's the end of it. Um, there wasn't supposed to be hard or difficult. And let's explain why. I, I'm, I'm personally not very gifted mechanically and handyman and so on. 
so the one thing I know is that when I try to close or open something and it goes hard, I'm making a mistake. It's not in it's it's either not on 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 the on the slide it's supposed to be on. It's something it's not a window or door uh, uh, is supposed to open easily. If it's not opening easily, it's not in its hinge, it's not in its slot. Something something's wrong over here. A um, the world was there for us to 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 grow food for us. So it's supposed to be good. It's supposed to go like a well-greased machine. It, once Adam sinned, the world became a mixture of good and obstruction. The vast majority of the work that we put into growing something, we plant a seed, great. But one second, we have to plow because the ground is not 100% conducive to growing stuff. It's, it's clogged, it's gummy, it's, it's, it's not porous enough, it, it's got rocks in it, and, and so on. And my plants grow, so do the weeds, so do the ants, so do the animals come. And I, I finally harvest it, and it's full of stuff that has to be cleared away. It's, it's, it's got to be, it, 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 I've got to take out all, all the chaff and all the stuff around it to make it edible. That process is the result of having commingled good and bad in the world. It wasn't just you're going to have to work hard. We, so to speak, eat the fruits of our own um, deeds. We, we plunk the whole thing together. So imagine a, a little kid is playing with the dough that his mother made, and, and he puts all sorts of objects in it, and his mother bakes it. And she takes a look, and there's pennies there, and there's stuff like that. She'll tell them, listen, people have to eat it. You're going to have to go through it and take out everything you put into it. And it's difficult. That was the process of our chet. That's what was brought into it. The, um, the, it's very interesting if, if you ponder a little bit some of the malachas of Shabbos. The general rule of the thumb about malachas of Shabbos is that they are creative. They bring things into the world. It's it's a fairly you know sort of a fairly loose, but it's 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 in other words, um, I I I plant something, I harvest something, I weave something, I tailor something, uh, and so and I sew something. These are all called creative work, and and it more or less fits pretty well. There's one of the malachos that is not creating anything. And that is two or three malachas in, in, in the same kind. Borer, borer, merakeid, which means to sift. A person sifts flour on Shabbos. He's over merakeid, borer. Those are the malachas that are of that, of that ilk, which means to separate good from bad. Theoretically, I, I had a kilo of flour. I now have uh, three quarters of a kilo of flour and a quarter of a kilo of, of, of chaff. I, I didn't make anything new, but I made it edible because so long as it was commingled, it was not edible. So the chet of, the chet of uh, Adam Harishon made the world something which was a mixture of good and bad and required um, 
now a lot of effort. That's why farming is so hard. The labor in farming is the, 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 the labor needed to constantly make sure that Either we weed out the bad, we don't let the bad get in, we, 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 we separate the two and so on. That's on the most physical level. That also happened on the level of Torah, truth, and, and the big picture of Ruchnius. Whereas, um, whereas um, it, the right and wrong was simple, the Rambam Mornavuchim discusses the um the Ram Ravuchan discusses in the beginning, it's the second parak, um almost seems out of place. I'm not sure why it's even there, just the whole chapter on it. Doesn't it seems like Adamarishan got free will after he sinned? Um isn't that an upgrade instead of a downgrade? And he said no. The the um the, the before there was a clarity about good and bad before it was almost in the nature of two and two equals four. There was no doubt. It was clear, simple, and straightforward. There was no choosing between good and bad. It's not like choosing different possible answers and pondering is two and two, four, five, or three. Um, it was a given. It was simple. Once we sinned and part of our own personality absorbed bad instincts, so now we have a lot, it's a lot more vague sense. True free will is now um, much more needed because we've got to sift through a lot, a lot of our self to, to figure things out. So that was the chet of Aramarishan. And Torah itself took some sort of beating because of that. Our right and wrong could not be simple anymore. It would need to come with effort. Chazal say that this repeated itself at the giving of the Torah. The moment of giving of the Torah was a pristine moment. It brought us back, or should have brought us back, to being what Adam Arishan was like before the Chet. And as soon as we sinned, um, we were again caught up with that same issue. There was good in us. There was some bad strands in us. And once again, we were a mixture of good and bad. It means that Torah could never, ever be really understood unless we work it through. And again, this is true on a few levels. It's true technically. The, 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 nothing will be clear and simple. Everything will come with a lack of clarity that needs to be worked through to get to the right answer, the the um, the, the, it it it's you can't just open up any safer. There's no safe you open up and say, okay, this is what you do. You need to work it out and work it through. This is true in the sense of the. This is true in 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 terms of knowing what to do halacha, so to speak, and this is true in terms of knowing right and wrong in terms of understanding what is appropriate, what's not appropriate, motivating person, the whole, every single part of it is, is, is included in this. Let's go back a minute. to So let's, let's understand that Tosefta. Rabbi Yeshua said, a person who studies 
and does not have a malus. It's like a person who plants but can't reap. That statement is so accurate because there is no one shot. If I toss in a few seeds, so studying the material is the seed for the eventual halacha. It's the seed for knowing what's right and what's wrong. Unless you put the effort in, whether it's weeding, um, keeping out the bugs, trimming, whatever else goes into it, and, and it, you, you're, not, you're not going to have a finished product. Maybe once upon a time before the chet, maybe that's all it needed was plunk a seed in, and that's it. I learned something, I instantly know what I'm supposed to do, and instantly it's clear to me that's what you're supposed to do. No longer. Um, you, so a person who studies, if he doesn't put effort in, he will. It doesn't make a difference how bright you are, because it, it you you it's it, it, because it's not what you see at first glance. It never is what you see at first glance. And I as I was a young boy. I was learning by Abnachum. He was the, my rabbi in the yeshiva, and. Um, he was world-class Gaon, and uh, he was world-renowned. The people came from all to learn by him. He, he, he asked a question in Shia, says, and I jumped with an answer. And in the middle of my saying, whatever I was saying, I saw that the response wasn't going to be very good. And I immediately realized I made a mistake of some sort. And I said, oh, no, it's wrong. And he said, no, it's not wrong. You're wrong. You don't answer like that. There's no, you do not answer as soon as you have a question. It, because you, you definitely don't have it right if that's how you answer it. In other words, it takes thinking, thinking, mulling, sifting, and re-asking, revisiting again and again and again. Um, they say over about two, two famous farim. They say it about the Tzels and the Sivas, Tzels and the Shaksa. It's two different, different versions, but why one safer was more popular in the other safer, they're, they're all classics, but one is a lot more. So he asked him, what do you do? And he said, I wake up at four in the morning and until six in the morning, I write. He said, I wake up at four in the morning and I erase until six in the morning. In other words, plowing through something again and again and again is the only assurance for possibly getting to the truth. I want to go back to that Zohar, which sounded so strange. And I want to try to understand. The Zohar is a safer full of metaphor. That's, that's what it is. And, and especially since we're at the cusp of Yom Hilul of Shem it's most fitting to try to understand it. What the Zohar is saying is remarkable. The process of hard work and labor is something that has an effect on a human being, a positive effect. People work hard, sweat. It works through a lot of things. Unfortunately, I, I always think that w- one of the most trafer words that um, that America invented, one, one of the, the real apicarsish uh, concepts is leisure. I mean, uh, 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 everybody has to rest, everybody has to catch their breath, everybody has to do this, that. But the sense of leisure where a person should be doing nothing productive as an end in itself is, 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 in my mind, it's a precursor. It's, it's, it goes against what a human being is. Human being is meant to be productive. And, and of course, everybody needs, I, I'm not, I certainly understand time out and so on, but that's what it is. It's, it's, it's a recess. It's not 
leisure as a, with a capital L. Work and sweat and effort and toil um, have a positive effect on a person. And in Mitzrayim, it was terrible, it was horrendous, but Chazal speak about it as a kur, barzel, kur zohav, as a refinery, as a smelting ground. The work and the labor was crushing and crippling, but it brought out the best in Kal Yisrael. The, the topic for another time, but, but that's what it was. So the Zohar says, let me show you in Torah, there are processes that are akin to it. And I want to a little bit understand it. In other words, Avodakasha means it's not going smoothly. It's not straightforward. I mean, Avodah's not kosher is you start the pedal and it, and it goes by itself. It goes on, on, on inertia, on momentum. But if it's uphill, if it's, if it's against something, when a person is learning and a kasha comes his way, that's the analogy in the world of Torah study to um, that type of, 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 of item in, 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 um, in, in physical work. Homer is called the Homer. I'd like to understand that also. The, the, the Homer is what allows bricks to be laid in a stack. The way in which you can stack a brick is by putting, um, uh, by putting some sort of glue in between, some sort of whatever they used, the, the, the Homer, the mortar, that, that was sort of a glue that kept it going, that, that kept the brick stack exactly. A Kalvachomer allows you to stack halachas in a certain order, a hierarchy. It, 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 the hierarchy becomes meaningful. If it's true for A, it must be true for B, C, and D. In other words, what allows a, a stacking of bricks physically should be equivalent to what allows a stacking of uh, uh, mitzvahs, uh, halachas, uh, conceptually. And that's why, so, so yes, it's a remez in the word, but it's not a silly plan of words. It's Kal Vachoma tells me a hierarchy and I can pile up the halachas and say there are, there are 10 degrees of Tumah going from the bottom up and, and each one is Mohammed in a certain way and so on. The um, Levenim is Libun Halacha. Levenim are bricks. What a brick, what's most important in a brick is an extremely accurate shape and size. The one thing that you can't work with are bricks that are misshaped, different shapes, different size. You need a very clearly formed, defined entity. And those are Levenim, that corresponds to Levan Alacha. And finally, Avodas, Avoda Besada is Brysa. Let's just explain these things because it, it's, when you see what the Zohar says, it's astounding. What does Avodah Basada mean? You have to leave your, um, your little uh, um, compound and go out and get something from outside. It's a bother, it's difficult, and so on. Bryce's were Mishnayas that were outside the canon. Rabbeinu HaKadosh had worked through the Mishnayas and he canonized a certain amount of Mishnayas. The other ones were not accurate enough, not clear enough. Rabbeinu HaKadosh left them outside. So Brysa is like Avodah Besada. And finally, Avodah's Parach is Teiku. Avodah's Parach means it's work that goes nowhere. Avodah's Parach is defined halachically 
as telling your slave to bring you a cup of coffee and then spilling it out. A teku means we've asked a question. Where's the answer? A question is the tool. And teku says, we're stuck. That's Avodah's parable. <laughs> so the Zohar Kaddish is found in Torah, a parallel process to the different um, things that are considered difficult works there. And that's what the Zohar Kaddish is, is telling us. So, <laughs> first point. In Torah, we, we, um, the Amelus in Torah is the only thing <coughs> that will give us the something more accurate, something that I learned in very cursory. I could sit back. I could put my feet on the table and listen. Um, it's a compliment to the speaker, but, but, but you don't get it. You, you can't pass my luck on that. You haven't worked it through and gotten into the nitty-gritty of it. That's one point. A second point about this is also in terms of transforming the person. The Malbum says, the word Amal is used in the Torah um, as, it, it, the word Amal can mean hard labor. The word Amal also means Averis. It means wrongdoing. Um, the, 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 in Kohelis, the word Amal constantly means, um, it, it means things that are, um, for no good reason, it's bad. It's, 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 um, it, it refers to kind of a various wrongdoings and so on. The Malbum um, classifies the word Amal um, as meaning inner, as opposed to oven, which is the actual act of Avera, Amal is the inner desire to do bad, the inner um, the, the the inner feelings for bad, um, the inner the inner bad thoughts and so on. So Amal to oven are the thoughts and ideas versus the the actual wrongdoing. The it's everyone understands that it's much harder to get out your bad attitude, understandings feelings, drives, than refraining from doing. A person can refrain from hurting somebody, but it's very hard to stop disliking somebody. I can refrain from doing X avera, Y avera, but it's very, very hard to stop craving those averas. The, the, so Amal represents averas like, of, of that nature. Usually in Hebrew, when you have a word with two meanings, many times it's an opposite meaning. And let's take one example, like shoresh. The word shoresh can mean to, 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 to give roots to something, or the sharesh can mean to uproot, and so on. There are many words like that. Iker means the main thing, and akar means to uproot. The word amal, in its sense of being the inner bad, and the word amal, in the sense of working hard, and and sweating and 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 yigi and all of those things, I would say one affects the other. A person who's sitting and studying and things come easy to him, I don't think it has made a big difference in his personality. I don't think he's changed. A person who sweats 
who rolls up his sleeve and has to sweat over everything he learns, I think that there are some real, real changes that happen to that person. There was um, a Yid in, in Yerushalayim. He was a breath of a Hashid, and he must have passed away about 30, 35 years ago. His name was Reb Shmuel Shapiro. I don't think anyone here heard of him. He's, there, are, there are many Shapiros, and Reb Shmuel Shapiro is the most famous pastor recently. It was Reb Shmuel Shapiro. His name was Reb Shmuel Shapiro, but in breast of his circles, he was from the old, old wrestlers, the old school wrestlers. He was an over Hashem of the type that would daven until he collapsed. He knew no boundaries. Uh, totally, totally immersed in Avodos Hashem, uh, and, 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 you know, that, that was his person. He was tzaddik uh, of, of that type. His, his, he would learn, the thing that he learned most often was a peyrek and shas called Yesh Nochlin, which is, deals with the nitty-gritty of Yerusha, of, um, of giving over inheritance. It's a very, a lot of details, complicated details, and the Rashbam, which is instead of Rashi, on that peric is also long-winded and it's 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 real drudge work. And someone asked him, Reb Shmuel, why are you always like what's in it for you? And he said, I'll say it in Yiddish and then I'll translate it. Ich bin a Schwarzzellner. A Schwarzzellner means, I guess, what we would call in English a grunt, a soldier who does the hardest, dirtiest work. The one that's like in the foxhole on the front line. In other words, he he was saying, "I choose for myself the most difficult um, of jobs," and the reason is because, and and it was aligned with his worldview, with his philosophy of changing yourself by working hard. He was an ovate, cold uh, call, you know, he was total over Hashem. Like I said, he he would dive into collapse. He 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 had. You know, that was his, that was who he was. And that's where he found it learning. It's something that, you know, it, it, when we want, when, when we, when we would like to get into learning, when we want people to get into learning and so on. So you obviously try to make things as user friendly as possible and you try to make it as interesting as possible and as, and, you know, and, and, and as, as, uh, what's the right word for it, sort of ready made as possible. And I understand that. I understand that that has its value and it's good. But if we want Torah to make a profound difference on our person, in, in, in line with what Chazal described about a person who, who studies Torah, the key word is not listening to Shurim. The key word is not knowledge. The key word is Amul. When a person sweats, I mean, I, my parents, Chan and Rachel, were old from Europe, yet they were survivors and so on. And they had this mentality about sweating out poisons. So as far as medicine goes, I'm not sure that that's quite current. But as far as person goes, and as far as character goes, that certainly is on mark. Um, it, it's, it, you know, in yeshivas, they, especially in intense yeshivas, they stress that. The, the, the word is amal, and a lot of times... A, a, the, the boy that's marked for distinction is not the one who's brightest and maybe knows the most. It's the one who works the hardest. That it's a value. As we get older, I, I understand we have much less time and and it's it's difficult to keep it. But but maybe if we can find once a week to have a chavrusa 
to break our teeth. And obviously, breaking your teeth would, would not have any teeth left at the end is not a great idea. So we do need to use help. We need to use, uh, whether it's an art scroll, whether it's a tape, whether it's a live market share, whatever, I understand that. But understand the value. If we, if we understand the value of Torah is to understand what you're supposed to do, so knowing a Kitzah Halachas in the way a, a, a very, very clear and eloquent Rav can present is what you need. You want to know what to do with Pesach. You want to be able to have a share where you know it's, everything is very clear and it does, it's all takeaway and that's that. But if you want to ask yourself to connect to Torah, to feel that it's part of you, to feel that you really connect it, it's not what comes easy. It's, it's the Bezer Sapecho Tocholechem. It's the stuff that you have to sweat on. It means you need to push. You need to, to go over it again and again until you get it in and, and then keep it. Things that come without effort, they, they don't give you that attachment and they don't change your character in the way that it, this does. So I'm going back to the Tosefta again. The, 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 um, the way in which we can reap the crop of the Torah that we sow is with the Amelos. And, and I, I, I know everyone, you know, I'm, I'm talking to a broad audience and people have busy lives and not, and, and I'm, I'm from the only one, you know, I, I don't know how many people have the time or the ability to do it. But if we try, if we want to re, if we want to be mechazic, reinforce our learning and so on, to find a part of our learning schedule to be focused on doing it the old-fashioned way. It means sitting quite a while until we figure it out, going over it a bunch of times till it's clear, um, and the, the other half of it, Tosefta, reviewing it periodically. So even if we only, even if we have only a small seder like that once a week, but if it's consistent and we walk away kind of, worked up a sweat, so to speak, um, then, then it, 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 it has a remarkable effect on us. It, it, and, and we feel connected to it. It, it one of the most, the fascinating observations that anyone makes is when a baby is born, a mother is extremely attached to the baby and a father looks kind of blank and tries to figure out what am I supposed to do? And the difference is because the mother sweated and worked for nine months. Nine months, this kid was, 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 was taking a toll and she was giving to him and she was carrying him. The father did none of that. And therefore, it takes quite a while till one gets attached to a child. And a child is the thing we invest most of our sweat and energy in. And it's what we cherish the most. And the reason is because we sweated so much. So if we'll use that same, if, if we'll take that same paradigm to Torah, the part of Torah that we sweat and work hard on and work hard means till we understand it. And Gemara takes a lot. It, it's not, it's, it's a back and forth conversation. It, it, what was asked, what was answered, has it go back to the mission again? And it takes going over a bunch of times till it sort of settles in clearly and, and keeping track of it. It's not an easy, it's not easy, it's not meant to be easy. But if we'll do it, Be'ez Hashem, God willing, we'll have some seeds that we plant and we reap. We reap from them 
eventually a tremendous enjoyment of achievement. We reap a real connection to Torah, and we re- reap some real changes in our person. Um, like I said, that, that sweat works out some of a person's um, some of a person's uh, um, bad toxins in, on, on, a, on a character level. It's for sure true. When the Mishnah says so everyone sees the Derecharis part of the puzzle. In Torah, it also, but it has to be the Yigia. They're parallel. Tov means working both. If, if whatever time I study, I put in as much mental and emotional effort as I do in, at my profession, my job, then the two together is Moshkachasov and Bezat Hashem will have a, a different connection to, to Torah and, 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 a great, and a great enjoyment on the accomplishment and achievements. Uh, Shabbat Zohar to Matan Torah and, uh, and everything comes with it in Mr. Shem.